Hello. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, you know, just staying in the house like everyone else. Yes. What's <laughs> happening with you? Occasionally. What's happening with you? I'm doing good. I had to go for a blood test this morning, so that was my venture out into the public today. Not <laughs> a very fun reason to go out. Yeah, exactly. You know, just the place you want to be uh, during these times. But. Yeah. Yes, anyway, welcome to episode 31 of A Chat with Matt. Today I'm joined by pop singer Mo. Thanks for taking time to join me today. Thank you for having me. So why don't you just give a quick summary of who you are, what you do, and all that. Yes, I'm a singer-songwriter from Toronto. I like working in the electro-pop genre, and I just released my first EP in October 2019 called Palette. So you can check that out on iTunes and Spotify. And uh, yeah, I've been, um, well, I was doing a lot of festivals and shows around the uh, greater Toronto area. And you know, these days just working on new music. So it's been good. It's been good. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, because you said you just put out your first record in October of last year. What, what's been a show highlight for you, focusing on the live side for a second? A show highlight? Yeah. Um, I would say performing at Canada Day at Centennial Park um, in Toronto. And there's just a lot of people there. Everyone was in great spirits. And just having my live band with me is just so much fun, connecting with people. So I would just say those big community events where everyone's gathered, all the families are out. Those are the ones that really stand out to me that I really enjoy being a part of. And on the more uh, business side of things, what's been a more <laughs> business-related highlight for your career thus far? Business-related highlight? Um, I guess just seeing the streams and the plays on my, my music video and my song. Uh, two of my music videos on YouTube are almost at half a million views on there. So it's really great seeing, you know, the visual aspect of uh, my songs that are really reaching people and people supporting them. So that's been really, really nice to see. No, that's, that's honestly a great high. I've been checking out the songs. The songs are all sounding great. The videos look great. And, and how, how long you, have you been doing this project specifically? Do you mean the EP or just everything in general? Uh, Mauve all together. Uh, probably for three years. Mauve, yes. That's when I started to release my songs professionally, going to recording studios, because just before that, I was just writing songs on my computer and then never really collaborated with anyone on a professional level to like say, okay, let me have a song distributed under my name and all that. So yeah, it's three years, I'd say. So then, so what's new with you now that you said you put your first EP in uh, the fall of last year, what's, uh, what's going on now? What's going on now? Doing my best to stay productive and stay creative during these quarantine times. Um, so since I released it in October, kind of went through promoting all of the songs from that EP. So now I want to start working on a new collection. Um, so I have been in talks with producers via email who have been making beats and instrumentals for my songs for me. So um, I'm going to start this week by recording the vocals for those songs. So just getting on with the process, doing as much as I can to kind of move things along. 
Mm-hmm. And I saw you just put out a video about a month ago as well, and that's already been getting some great response. So that's mm-hmm. all wonderful and fun. Uh, how? What made you want to get involved in the electro pop genre to begin with? Um, I just found it easier to form my songs that way and make it accessible to people. So I do like a wide variety of genres. Like I can really listen to anything that sounds good. I don't think there's like a limit to that. But with just all of the unique tones that you can make through the, you know, electronic, you know, catalogs that are out there, figuring out different drums, different tones. I guess that's what I really like is being able to incorporate kind of unique sounds to it and still make it into something that's upbeat and catchy. So you're kind of just like pulling from a variety of different genres, getting influence and inspiration and kind of just combining them to one. Yeah, exactly. Different eras as well, like 90s, all of that. So it's cool. That's great. Uh, You met, I I saw you kind of, when I asked like how long you've been doing most of it, you're kind of thinking back, was there stuff you were doing before the project you're doing now or? Sorry, what was that? Uh, you said you kind of gave a face when I asked about oh, how long you've been doing music most specifically. Was there stuff going on before the uh, the project you're doing now? Yeah, like, um, like before my EP, I was just releasing singles, mm. like just under Mo. So I, I never really dove into doing something bigger, like doing the EP. So I was just kind of starting out, I guess, still figuring out my sound and the style that I wanted to work with. And then now I've definitely been able to develop that over the years. So obviously a big thing that's happening right now is the outbreak of COVID and everything. We're all stuck in the house and the quarantine. It's not really fun. How has the outbreak affected what you have going on specifically, like your 2020 plans overall? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like usually during this time, I'd have some shows and festivals set up uh but since those have all been canceled for the summer you know just been doing kind of online concerts as much as i can and uh i guess just working more on the creative aspect of it just at home writing so you know it's not good to just weigh on the things that you're missing out on but to look at as as an opportunity to work on other things and really specialize in those areas instead uh how's it affected like a release schedule for you like if you're going to put out any new music in 2020 at all or if you pushed anything or is everything kind of still on track Mm -hmm. yeah i'd say everything's on track like i was still planning to hopefully release something end of summer early fall and i feel like already with the songs i've been able to work on remotely like with producers and stuff we got a few songs already that are done and I just have to basically go into a studio now and record them. So hopefully that shouldn't take too long to get all those finished. Well, hopefully not. Uh, mm-hmm. On the more releasing side of things, have you changed up your strategy at all digitally about how you get the music out there and how you're putting your content out there? Or mm-hmm. are you still kind of following the same traditional route? Yeah, that's something I'm going to have to think about as I, move further into the process because I'm going to have to think about, you know, if I wanted to get a music video done, if I wanted to get a new photos done, like how would that work with organizing a team to film a video? I guess things are clearing up a little bit now, so it it should be a little bit better, hopefully within another month or so. Um, So yeah, I'm not too like worried about that and hopefully it'll be okay. 
hopefully. Uh, on the more live-related things, uh, I, I'm I'm not that familiar work in the pop electro pop genre because I primarily work in the rock uh, genre. So how how was the live scene before in in the pop genre in like Toronto specifically? Like, was there a lot of pop shows going on? Are you doing a lot of shows in Toronto, or is it like mm -hmm. select here and there? Yeah, that's a good question because. Um, if I'm doing a live show, I do have a, a band with me, but we do, um, I do like incorporate some rock elements like into my original songs. Sometimes we put like a, a little reggae or like a rock twist on them. Like the, the musicians kind of figure out something cool to do with their electric guitar for the song. So that kind of the, the basic elements of the song is still there, but it's kind of remade for like a live show. Cause I don't always like just perform with just like a track or like a DJ. Like I want to have live musicians there kind of putting a live spin on it. So it's fun being able to have those versions of it and kind of hear the song made new with like these different instruments added into it as well. Uh, post COVID, do you what do you think the landscape's going to look like in terms of a live kind of thing? Because obviously we're still mm -hmm. in the midst of it. The city of Toronto just announced that uh, a lot of restaurants are restaurants and bars are reopening. There's going to be a ban on live music temp for now. What what do you think the live landscape is going to look like after all this is wrapped up? Yeah, I guess it all depends if people are brave enough to to go out there and perform or even gather together, like. For me personally, I, I still may want to wait a little while just to see how things turn out. Like even if things are opened up, it's like, let's see how things look, how the numbers look. But it is crazy hearing how even in the US, they might not resume touring until like a year or so from now. So hopefully that people are doing their part to diminish the spread as much as possible so that we can all get back to that but yeah hopefully people still are getting the support that they need if you know if they're a touring musician and in terms of venues that you were playing were you playing a uh, bigger scale venues smaller scale venues somewhere in the middle what was it for you yeah it would depend i would say somewhere in the middle some were smaller than others and then some were had good crowds to them so yeah it's nice having that variety in those different levels of like intimacy i guess with the crowd that you're performing with mm -hmm. so a uh, big thing for you is you're actually a full-time artist mm -hmm. now i'm curious being a full-time artist how has all this affected you because obviously there a lot of what you can do you are now limited to so like what are you still able to do as a full-time artist during a pandemic mm-hmm yeah, you're still able to, like, before I was always making covers and, you know, doing shows like these with uh, hosts and all that. So you're still able to do that. You're still able to create content, which is great. And, you know, this day and age, you can really find ways to support yourself as an indie artist and um, do little shows on your Instagram. So, um there have also been other showcases that have been online that I've been able to participate in. So it's really great that people have adapted well to like this virtual format and being able to reach out and engage with people that way. How much of the 
newer stuff that a lot of these artists are starting to do because like you mentioned you were doing these interviews like kind of like this one and a lot of other artists are starting to get involved with that now how much of that do you think is going to carry over to when things start going back to normal and then people can resume the live touring and all that kind of stuff yeah it's it's been really nice to have you know not just myself but other artists to kind of put like their own little bedroom concerts on and just kind of see a different world of them you know since they're comfortable in their home performing so that would be nice if that's able to continue because it is a different look from them but you know once things start picking up and getting busy people may not have as much time to dedicate towards that but it is kind of a nice thing that's come out of it uh what about on the venue side do you think any venues are really going to start incorporating maybe a live stream aspect to accommodate those people that are still a little skittish to go to live shows never thought of that that's definitely something that they probably would want to work out. I think some venues have done that. Like, I think some in the U.S. have even allowed bands to, like, perform, and then they just have a live uh, mm -hmm. viewing of their performance. But, yeah, I think that's something that people maybe can spend, like, 5 or $10 to, like, watch the stream to support the artist. So that would, yeah, that would be a good idea, you know, as people transition into opening up. Well, even like a lot of things, like I just had a gentleman on last week named Brendan Eady. He's a promoter out in London. He works at London Music Hall, and he even said they were talking about it. And mm -hmm. we, we got into the idea of possibly suggesting, like, obviously it's going to be a limited capacity in a lot of these venues, like 20 or 30%, probably something in the low numbers. And then once you're selling out of that, you can sell a digital e-ticket online in which it could be at a reduced rate to kind of make up for the fact that you're not having a full venue. So... Mm -hmm. Do you think that could actually survive in the landscape of like smaller venues or do you think the cost associated with getting a, a live stream production together is going to be too much for those venues to deal with? Yeah, since it is like a live stream, it doesn't matter if you're in that town to go to that show. So you'd be able to appeal to like a wider audience of people like people on the other side of the world would be able to buy this e-ticket and watch the show. So in that sense, I do think... It, they would be able to make a profit, but, you know, of course, nothing will beat the whole element of having a lot of people in a room sharing that experience. But yeah, I, I did a couple of days ago start thinking like, what if they had a venue and they just told people to like space out a lot and just had limited seats or whatever, but they still did the show? I'm like, maybe that's something that would work and people would do. There was a venue in Arkansas called Temple Live that hosted a live show maybe about a month and a bit ago for now. I, I've lost track of all days of the week at this point. This, this show is the only consistency in my life. It's all a blur. It's all a blur. But uh, the venue actually started, did a show, and they, it was a 1,500-cap venue, and they, I think they had 80 to 100 people in this venue spaced out, and everyone was getting their temperature taken, everyone was spaced out, everyone was wearing masks and just sitting in, like, specific zones that are at different sections of the venue. So... I don't know. I, I, I think the bigger scale venues, I don't know if they're going to be, well, smaller scale venues, we've already lost a lot of them. And yeah, it's so sad. And there's going to be more that come, obviously. But even the large yeah. scale venues, like, financially, it's not going to be feasible for them to only host a 30% capacity. So I think the digital e-ticket and streaming might uh, rectify some lost uh, mm -hmm. revenue. Yeah, for some time, hopefully. So a huge part of being a pop vocalist, obviously, is like vocal technique and 
song specific songwriting relating to the genre that makes sense. What what songwriting and vocal tips would you have for those uh, looking to get into the genre? Okay, yeah, there's different like songwriting and vocal. So for vocal, I would say to work within your range, of course, because just being able to sing in your range and develop your own style is kind of good enough in itself, just until you build up and get to that point. And also I found is to like sing as if you're speaking the song. So sometimes we try to like over sing a song and then it ends up sounding very unnatural and you're like actually kind of losing the placement of where you should be to like land that pitch. So if you're ever trying to get a certain phrase right, like singing wise, try speaking it first and then your, you know, your muscles will kind of be used to pronouncing the words and then it will be a little bit easier to sing it. Um, and then songwriting wise, um, for me, it's just something that's personal to me, like if I'm writing a song, so I don't really have like a special technique about it. I'm just at the piano and kind of going with what I'm feeling and what sounds good. Uh, but something that helps me is to like record melodies like on your phone, just because something random can always pop up in your head. So it's always good to have that just in case you're looking for an idea, maybe you can go back to all your recordings and find something cool in there, so. Wonderful advice, wonderful advice. <sighs> I, I just keep thinking about just what the industry is gonna look like after all this is done. Like, just from what you've seen from in your genre and the people around you, like, have you heard about what the industry, what, what do you honestly think the industry is gonna be post COVID overall? Cause like obviously there's the live stuff, but just how much is this really is gonna change the landscape? Yeah, it has been good seeing that a lot of like the smaller venues have set up different donation funds. So hopefully, you know, that has helped them. Uh, hopefully, you know, we don't see too much of like, I guess bigger mainstream corporations kind of taking over and filling the space of you know the smaller labels and artists that you know are struggling a bit so hopefully they're able to kind of hold on and just I think it all comes out to like the support that the public gives them so hopefully the public has been giving back as much as possible so that they can you know support themselves through this. Back to the live shows for a second. Have you heard about any of these drive-in concerts that people have started talking about or anything like that? I have. I've heard, like, driving tours that people are doing. I, I have come across those a little bit. Yeah. Like, uh, what about, like, the drive-in movie theater shows that people are suggesting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would that would be interesting. I think that would that would really be cool for people. They can all just tune in to a certain signal on their radio and hear the sound. That'd be a good substitute. If if they can get the logistics worked out, I think it could go well. But the issue is, it's it's about the shared space that people are going to have to have at these different locations. Like for example, like the bathrooms is a huge thing that people mm -hmm. are debating and trying to figure that out because it's like, are you going to hire an attendant to clean it after every use? Is it like, and it's all these certain things. So I don't know if it's feasible or not. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, once you bring that into the. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that would be an issue for a whole concert. People having to go to the bathroom, you know. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk about the Palette EP. How did the how did you get the name for it? I'm curious. 
Yeah, so I'm someone who also really enjoys visual arts. So I do enjoy painting. And to me, music is kind of a form of sound painting, you know, figuring out all these different colors to describe how you're feeling, to express yourself. So I wanted to call it palette because first, you know, I'm mauve, so kind of goes together with the whole color thing. And that's and, where the name came from as well, more of the visual kind yeah, of color exactly. side. Yeah, bringing that into it as well. So um, with palette, just wanted to emulate all of the different colors and emotions that you go through in life. So yeah, those were, that's what I chose. I felt like that was a nice kind of way to embody the name for my first EP. And is there, uh, are you working on a new EP or are you, you going to go back to kind of the single release format? Yeah, I would want to release another EP, maybe with a couple more songs on it. So yeah, I, I would rather have like a collection of songs than just kind of spew out the song one by one. Uh, Mo, I'm curious because you, you, you're very put together in your content. Like I was going through your social media. I always do a scan of the person I'm uh, interviewing just so I get an idea of it. Your, your social media is very put together. Your content's very on point. What, what advice would you have for the up and coming artists that are trying to achieve kind of that level of professionalism and just clean format overall? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think it, that's what it comes to is, you know, really stuff that looks professional and looks clean. Um, but of course, if that's not who you are, if you would rather just post random photos of what you see, then, you know, stay true to you. And that's, that's who you are. Um, but yeah, I would just say to keep it consistent, make sure you're posting consistently, and you're, you're sharing yourself with people. So you're not just kind of being superficial, but you're kind of, you know, allowing people to see more of your personality. Because uh, that's what would help you stand out from everyone else on online and stuff. So, yeah. Show that genuine self of who you are and mm -hmm. what you do. Yeah, the person behind the posts and behind the music. So, Mo, uh, we're coming to the end of our little chat here. What's next for you during this time in quarantine? Um, I'm just going to keep, you know, spending some time outside and making sure exercising, staying healthy and just recording the new music. So as the weeks go on, hopefully I'll have more of my songs all finished and kind of ready to go put together. And yeah, hopefully they'll gradually places will open up and we'll be able to do some songs and singing live. Who are three acts that people should check out? Three acts, hmm. Could be local, could be bigger scale, your, your call. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm a huge TLC fan. They're the girl group that sings No Scrubs and Waterfalls. So please check them out because they rock. Um, I also really like Fiona Apple. Just the rawness that she puts into her songs, really strong. And there's also a Canadian artist named Amanda Marshall, who... Did, was more active in the 90s and early 2000s as well, but just her voice is just so strong, and she's a powerhouse, so Amanda Marshall. Amanda Marshall, Amanda Marshall TLC, and Fiona Apples, all wonderful recommendations. Mo Vaughn, thank you for taking the time to join me today. Where can people find you? I'm here on Instagram, mauve.music, spelled M-A-U-V-E, and also my website is mo-music.com and i'm also on facebook and twitter so it'd be great to connect with everyone on there 
Well, that's going to wrap it up then for episode 31 of A Chat with Matt. I got a few more things happening this week. Uh, tonight at 8 p.m., I'm going to be doing a tribute stream for the Music Hall in Oshawa starting at 8 p.m. I'm going to be doing a two-hour stream featuring a variety of different guests. I have 12 guests coming on. It's going to be a nightmare to coordinate, but hey, that's the decision I chose to make. Uh, and then on the 10th of Wednesday, I'm joined by Timur Intiaglu. I can never pronounce his last name. He's going to be joining me talking about MRG concerts, the more promotion side of the industry, seeing what everything's going on. And then on the 12th of June, I'm going to be joined by Ben Andrus of Black Top Records to talk about the record industry and everything that's going on. So, Mov, thanks for taking the time to join me. It was lovely to connect. I hope I get to see your live show someday. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you. Thank you for having this and for organizing this. Of course. Everybody, we'll see you around. I'll be back on at 8 p.m. All right. See you later.